0: Good morning again, everyone. It is so good to see you today. My name is Rhett. I have the honor and the privilege of being the lead pastor here at One Life Church. And it's so good to have you with us. Hey, before we jump into the message, can we do this? Can we throw our hands together? Everybody here at the Netflix Civic Center, throw your hands together and welcome our online church family right now. Those who are joining us, come on, let them know how much you love them. Yeah, we are glad that you're along for the ride today. We're very excited. Nick just mentioned that we are closing out a, a series we've been calling It Is Written. If you joined us last week, we kind of put a pause on this series because last week we celebrated three years as a church, everybody. Yeah. For those of you who maybe are guests today or new today, I want to let you know that uh, we are a church plant. It means there was not anything existent called One Life Church uh, until September the 16th of 2018. My wife and I are originally from Alabama. In fact, my wife is actually originally from Texas, but I'm originally from Alabama. And uh, we moved here with a dream in a heart to love God, to love people, to serve you, to serve your family, and to see you live your best life for God and with God. And so if you missed last week, I'm telling you, missed a party, my friends, because we were giving out like free milkshake, birthday cake, somebody. And uh, we're not giving away anything free today other than Jesus. Can I just say that? So uh, I'm saying you don't want to miss birthday parties around here, but we had a good time, but we're we're so glad that you're with us today. Um, Before we jump in the message, I want to remind you of a couple things. Number one, everybody say small groups small groups. What are small groups? They're an opportunity for you to connect in life-giving community. Uh, Notice I didn't say perfect community. There is no such thing, but we are not a perfect people, but we serve a perfect God, and we're just trying to do the best we can to create opportunities for you to connect in community because we honestly believe that life change happens in the context of life-giving relationships, and small groups aren't just something we do here at One Life Church. It is who we are, and I want to invite you. It is not too late to jump into a group we have about 20 different opportunities right now all across the valley you can go to olc.church click on the button that looks like that or you could go directly to the slash groups and there is an online directory there that you can shop and see all the different opportunities and uh, can I hear a good amen from all those who are already in small groups and already enjoying that right now can hear a good amen from you all across the room So very excited about that, but I'm also really excited because coming up, starting on October the 3rd, which is the first Sunday in October, we are doing something we are calling Discover. What is Discover? It is just a plan. It's a process for you to hear the vision of One Life Church, and what it looks like is we're doing step one and step two. Step one is all about vision. It's going to happen on the first and third Sunday of each month. It's going to happen during our second service at 11 a.m. So if you've ever wanted to know more about who we are and how we're here to serve you and your family and what it would look like to connect to the vision of One Life Church. You could come to step one, and our hope is that you'll hear the vision so that you can do number two, and that is that you can run the vision with discovering your purpose. And so in step two, it's going to happen on the second and fourth Sunday of every month during the second service at 11 a.m., and we would encourage you to take a next step into hearing the vision and discovering purpose so that you can make a difference with your life. And so we're very excited about that all right, you guys, jumping into the message. We are a message note-taking church. It simply means we love to take notes here at One Life Church. It was never my desire just to inspire you on a Sunday, just to encourage you, just so that you could barely make it through your week for next week's message, but my hope was to put God's Word in your hands so that you could apply it to your life Monday through Saturday, and you can follow along with our notes at olc.church. If you're in the room, swipe down on our website. You'll see a button that says message notes, click that button, follow along if you're joining with us online, you'll see the notes there. I think it's called Sermon Notes on our online platform, and you can follow along and fill in the blank. And for those who have been enjoying the notes, gonna hear a good amen from you, everybody. Amen. 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 All right, closing out the series today, it is written. I wanna start where we ended two weeks ago, and that is John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32. Jesus said this Jesus said, If you, everybody say this word out loud, if you hold to my teaching, In other words, if you not only just enjoy a series, but when the series is over, like you make it a part of your life every day, then check this out. Then you really are my disciples. In other words, we are really walking in a relationship with each other when you begin to live this thing out every day. It says, then you will know. Now, the word know here is the word gnosko. It doesn't mean like just to have this mental understanding, but it says, then you will know, not in your head, but in your heart, you will know the truth. And what will the truth do? The truth will set you free. Can I hear a good amen somebody this morning? This is our hope for you. My hope is that you find freedom in your life. My hope is that you find freedom in your marriage. My hope is that you find freedom in your money, in your health, in your emotions. My hope is that the truth will come alive in your heart and it will set you free in every area of your life. My hope is not only that you hear God's word, not only that you listen to God's word, but my hope is that you begin to hold on to God's word. Everybody say hold. I want you to hold on to God's word. So here's the question. How do we hold on to God's word? That is the title of today's message. How do we hold on to God's word? It's a great question that I want to help you with. And today I'm going to give you four things. We'll to start with number one. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, we've got to make it. We've got to make God's word the foundation of our life. We've got to make it. Notice it's a choice. It's a decision. My friends and family in this room, the quality of your marriage, the quality of your money the quality of your home, the quality of your emotions is all dependent upon the structure in which you build it upon. It's all dependent upon the foundation that you build your life upon. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and actually puts them into practice. In other words, those who just don't come to church on Sunday to check a box, but those who actually begin to apply it in their life, when they put it into practice, They're like a wise man or a wise woman who does what? Who builds their entire life, their house on a rock. And the rock is referring to Christ Jesus. The rock is referring to God's word. Now, the rest of the verse goes on to say that when the rains come down and the streams rise and the winds blow a beat against your life... Notice this, because your life is built on the rock, it doesn't fall. My friends, I'm here to tell you that when all hell breaks loose against your family, your finances, your career, your emotions, and your health, I don't want you to fall. But you won't fall. When? When you build your house upon a what kind of foundation? The foundation that is Jesus Christ and his word, and his word. So this is my hope for you. This is why we do series like this. My hope is that when it comes to the storms of your life, and I wish I could tell you that the storms would not come, but my friends, the storms are coming. In fact, they're already here. Pastor Beck, can you be a little bit more positive? Okay, I am positive the storms of life are coming, everybody. And I'm positive they're here. Aren't you glad you came to church today to be encouraged, right? But when the storms come, my hope is that your life and your home is built on a rock that will not fail, that will not fall. Guys, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but we live in a world right now who is encouraging us and who wants and is influencing our life to build our lives on everything but the truth of God's word. We're being swayed to trade the power of God's word for two words, popular culture. This whole idea that, man, if it looks good, if it feels good, then it must be right. My friends, that makes for a great tweet on Twitter, but that is a horrible way to live your life. Why? Because your feelings will lie to you. Your feelings, your emotions, the things that seems right, that popular culture would sell you on to get you to walk into. Like it's a lie. You cannot trust your feelings. In fact, God shows us in Jeremiah seventeen nine. look at this. He says, hey guys, your heart, now time out. The Hebrew word for heart here means your innermost Feelings. So let's read it that way. The feelings in your life, they're deceitful above all things. And your feelings, man, they're beyond cure. Who can understand it? Well, Pastor Red, I don't know. I mean, like the Bible seems a little outdated, seems a little archaic. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's keeping up with the times. It just doesn't seem right anymore. I mean, come on, man, that's old school. I mean, we're in a new school popular culture now. It just doesn't seem right. It just doesn't feel right. And I would say, yeah, I get it. I agree. In fact, God even tells us this. Look at Proverbs 16, verse 25. There is a way that seems right to man and to woman. There's a, right, there's a way that feels right, man. It looks good. It's like it doesn't, it doesn't compute or comprehend with God's ways. I mean, it looks like it makes sense in my mind, in my intellect, in my reasoning, and in my feelings, and especially in this culture. There's a way that seems right, but look at the rest of the verse. But in the end, in the end, it leads to death. God, my friend, I'm here to tell you, my friends, God... God wants you to enjoy life. He is not looking to suck the life out of you. He wants you to enjoy life. God wants you to experience his best, but it's not going to come from popular culture. Why? Because it leads to death. And this is why he tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Look at this. He says, guys, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Like, Don't build your life upon popular culture. Instead, build your life upon God's word. Fix your attention on God. Why? Because it's God's word that has the power to bring freedom into your life, into your marriage, into your home, into your finances, into every area of your life. It is God's word that will change you from the inside out. He goes on to say, and this is my hope for you, is that you just begin to readily recognize what God wants from you. My hope is that you begin to hold on to God's teaching and not just hold on to it, but quickly respond to it. Why? Because unlike the culture around you, it's always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. What is it saying? (laughs) It's always dragging you down to the pathway of death. Look, no, 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 no. God, look at this. God doesn't want you to experience death. God wants you to experience life. God's word and God himself brings the best out of you. In fact, God develops well-formed maturity in you. He gives you life. My friends, this is my hope for you. This is what we want for you as a church. This is what I want for you as a friend, is that your life and your family are coming to a place where you're developing well-formed maturity, that your life is built on a foundation that will not fall, but that your life is built on the foundation of God's word. So here's the question, how? Like, how do I know How do I know if I'm building my life on God's foundation? Because I think that's a great question to ask, because I think many of us, we want that. And so how do we decipher? How do we filter that? Well, I believe there's two great questions you can ask yourself that I want to give you this morning, that you can ask yourself to help filter whether or not you're building your life upon God's word. Here's the first one, is that when it comes to reading God's word, what do you do when you don't understand it? Think about that for a moment. When you're reading God's word, and I just hate to tell you, there's going to be times when you're reading God's word, it happens to me as well, you're going to get to a place where you're like, ah, I don't really understand what's happening right now. Well, I would encourage you, if you want to build your house and make it a foundation of God's word in your life, it's at this point when you come to the place of not understanding that you've got to make a decision. Are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust you? Are you going to trust God. Isaiah 55 verse 9, it's not on the screen for you extra note takers, you can write it down. God tells us, he says, hey guys, my ways are higher than your ways as as the heavens are higher than the earth. So my ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So here's the question, if God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts as humans, then maybe, just maybe there's going to be some things that when you read God's word, you're not going to understand. Now, it doesn't mean that we have an excuse not to study or not to do research. No, I'm going to study it out. I'm going to do my research. I'm going to read my commentaries. I'm going to do everything that I can to try to figure it out. But even if I don't, I'm still going to trust God. And by the way, can I just be honest? I mean, if God could fit, like if all of God could fit in my brain and your brain, would he really be a God worth serving? See, a lot of us are more comfortable with serving a God that is the size of us. And I don't know about you, but I'm a little okay. I, like, I love the fact that my God can't fit into all of my brain and all my understanding. That is what makes him God. He's bigger, he's smarter, he's wiser, he's greater. Why? Because he is God. Amen. So what do we do when we don't understand? Well, the bottom line is if you want to make God's word a foundation, you've got to come to the place where you simply trust God's word. You take him at his word. Here's the second question that will help you filter or not, whether or not you're building your life and making it the foundation on God's word. And that is, what do you do, number two, when you don't like it? What do you do when you don't like it? And let's be honest, especially in our popular culture today, there are gonna be some things that you read that God's word is not silent on, and that God's word is very clear on. You're gonna come across and go, wait a minute, I don't know if I like that because that doesn't fit into the culture that I live in right now. So when that happens, what are you gonna do? You got to make a decision at that point. Am I going to obey God or am I just going to do what I want to do? Am I going to obey God or am I not going to do it? In other words, am I going to adjust me to fit the Bible or am I going to adjust the Bible to fit me? And I don't know about you, but as for me and my house, I ain't trusting me. I trust in God. Because I've just come to the place after 28 years of serving the Lord that I've just realized and I've accepted God's word as truth. I've come to the place where I've realized, even though I don't understand it, even though I don't like it, I've accepted the fact that it is the authority. It is holy. It is pure. It is flawless. It is perfect. It is the very breath of God. It is holy and perfect. And, you know, last time I checked, I'm not. And no offense, but neither are you here this morning. And so because of that, I'm not putting God's word through the filter of my life. No, I'm putting my life through the filter of God's word. I'm not making God's word to align to my character, my nature, or my popular culture. No, I'm making my life, my culture, my nature, all of that, that is me, that is living. I'm making that align to God's word. Can I hear it better? Amen, somebody. Y'all getting what I'm throwing down this morning? Listen, you don't always have to understand God's word to trust it, and you don't always have to like it in order to obey it. But I promise you this, if you will trust God's word and if you will obey God's word, here's the promise, that is when you begin to make your foundation the foundation that is a rock that will never fail you. You begin to make your foundation God's word when you get to this place. You begin to develop well for maturity on the inside of you and you begin to experience God's best for your life. You begin to experience the divine blessing, protection, power, and presence of God in your life when you begin to trust it and obey it. This is good preaching, Pastor Rhett. Thank you so much. Glad you're here this morning. So I want to take you to a little bit deeper level, but I'm going to be honest with you. Unless you get what I just threw down... Unless you get to the fact that I'm just going to trust God's word and I'm going to obey it. I'm going to trust it when I don't understand it and I'm going to obey it even when I don't like it. Unless you get that first, the rest of the things that I'm giving you today are just going to be some religious duties and they're not going to have any impact in your life. So it is so important that we have to make it a foundation. We've got to make the choice and decision against popular culture that God's word is truth. God's word is holy. God's word is flawless. And even if it doesn't line up in my culture, in my understanding, I'm going to trust it. And even though I don't like it, guess what? I'm going to obey it because there is a power of the promise of God that will come alive in me when I begin to walk this thing out. So here's number two. Number two is if you'll do that. Number two, now I just need you to make it the first part of your life. Make it the first part of your daily life. Well, how do we do that? Well, I'm going to show you. But let's look at what Jesus said first. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. You've heard this verse before. But seek first. Now, time out. Everybody say seek first. Seek first. Seek first. In other words, I just need you to understand that the first things that you and I do are important to God. And if they're important and they are, then this is what I want to encourage you to do today. I would like for you to think through some of the first things that you do every day. Think about that for a second. What are some of the first things that you do every day? Because Jesus said, if you'll seek first his kingdom, if you'll seek first his righteousness... He said, all the things that you're worried about, your food, your clothing, your shelter, your baby, your kids, your college, all these different things, like all the things you're worried about, God says this, all these things are gonna be given to you as well. If you do what? If you put things in the right order. If you'll seek first, first things are important to God. What is he saying? He's saying, hey guys, if you'll focus on God, check this out. Here's the byproduct and blessing. God focuses on you. If we'll simply focus on God first, and so I'm going to get really practical here. Some of you are already doing this, but I mentioned this today because we've had a lot of people make decisions for Christ for the first time in our church. And I just want to help you by giving you some practical things you can begin to apply in your life. And one of the best things you can do to focus on God first is what I call the first 15. Everybody say first 15. First 15. It's where basically you take 15 minutes of your day at the beginning of your day, whenever that is. And you divide that into five minutes, five minutes, and five minutes. And so the first five minutes, I just want to simply encourage you to worship God, to worship God. I want you to honor the name that is above every name, that at his name, every demon must flee. And in his name, there is life, there is hope, there is healing. And in his name, my friends, there is a peace that passes all understanding. It's in his name. And I want to get you to the place before you even start your day where you're honoring his name. You're worshiping his name. Well, I mean, right, I mean, how do I do that? I mean, that's easy for you. You've been serving the Lord for 28 years. What does that look like? Well, the best way to start, my friends, write this down. If you're taking notes off to the side, is just to listen to it. Anybody heard of Spotify? Anybody heard of Google Music? Anybody heard of Apple Music, right? There are thousands upon thousands of worship songs. And I don't want to overwhelm you, but just take one, take one worship song. Guess what? One worship song is about four and a half minutes long. Guess what? By the time you listen to that worship song and you begin to hear the praise and the honor of of who God is and what he's done in your life, I'm telling you, you'll begin to experience the power of worship. It is amazing how worship soothes the savage beast on the inside of me. Come on, can I get an amen? Some of y'all today, you experienced this today. You came in frustrated. You came in angry. You came in with your deltoid sore because you're back there beating your kids. You know, shut up, be quiet, man, we're going to church. You better get this thing together, right? But you came in this morning and you heard a song. And when you heard a song, you experienced the presence of God. And all of a sudden now, whoo, what's happened? Some things that begin to change. Your perspectives have changed. Why? Because now you're experiencing the power of worship in your life. You're feeling the peace of God that happens through worship. And that's why Psalm 34:1 David said, "I will extol the Lord." Notice the declaration. Like I'm going to make the choice no matter how I feel, no matter no matter what I'm facing, I will. Everybody say I will. I will extol the Lord when when things are going good, when things are going bad, at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. The power of spending five minutes doing it first, I'm telling you, it would change your life. Second thing, very practical today, is that the next five minutes, I just want you to spend in prayer. In prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is simply a conversation with God. Now, for some of you, this is not a problem. You're like, five minutes is nothing. But for some of you, man, like, this is a stretch. You're thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to run out of stuff to say in five minutes. Well, where do I start? Well, start here, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. And I want you to notice the end of the verse. Look at this. Just present Thanksgiving and present your request to God. Be thankful and present your request to God. So what does that look like? This is what it looks like for me. My son and I do this every night. God, I'm just thankful for my family. And then just begin to look around. God, I'm thankful for my friends God, I'm, like, if you can't think of anything to be thankful for, the fact that you drove here in a car this morning. Lord, I thank you for my car. In fact, I thank you for the gas that's in my car. I know I can barely afford it, but God, there's still gas in my car. <laughs> and I look around, God, I got shoes on, I got, pants, I got clothes, I got shelter. I've not missed a meal. Thank you for my food. God, thank you for the water that runs through my house or my apartment. God, thank you for the electricity. Thank you, God, for the beautiful weather that's outside right now. God, thank you for these seats that we get to sit in. Thank you for You see where I'm going? All of a sudden now, you've opened your perspective up to go, man, I got a lot of things I could thank God for. And I'm telling you, if you don't know where to start, just start thanking God. And then once you run out of that, then just begin to present your request to God. God, I just, I need you. You know, and what's amazing is the more you thank God, the more you realize, you know, there's not really a lot that I need to ask for, (laughs) you know, and but then when you present your request to God and you just begin to tell him, like, Lord, this is what's on my heart. I know you probably already know this, but uh, I'm asking, then look at the promise of God. Look at the rest of the verse and the peace of God. My friends, this is amazing. And the peace of God, which transcends what? Our understanding. It will guard our hearts and it guard our minds in Christ Jesus. Come on, get you some of that, everybody. Yeah. This is good. I need some peace. So the last five minutes, so we, start, we start in worship. We start in prayer. Here's the last five minutes. You knew where I was going with this. It's five minutes in his word. Five minutes in his word. And for me, um, you know, like I love reading the one-year Bible. My, love, my, my wife, uh, she loves to read the Chronological Bible, and so that works for her, and I love reading the one-year Bible. And so for me, the one-year Bible exists of Old Testament, just a little bit, a little bit of New Testament. A little bit of Psalms, which is in the Old Testament. A little bit of Proverbs, which is in the Old Testament as well. And so it's kind of like a balanced diet. Like if you're a health, you know, and you're into nutrition, you kind of have to need a balanced diet throughout the day. That's what the one-year Bible does for me. And I'm going to be honest with you. It takes a little bit longer than five minutes. For me, it takes about 15 minutes to get through. And so if you don't have 15 minutes, I get it. At least start with the New Testament, portion of the one-year Bible. And by the way, you can, you can download uh, the YouVersion Bible app. It's a pretty cool app. And on there, there's so many different devotionals, and there's, you just do in the search bar, one-year Bible. It will pull up, and it will give you the Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm, and Proverb of the day. So if you don't have 15 minutes, man, I just encourage you to read, a, read a, the New Testament. That'll literally take you maybe three minutes. Well, Pastor, Red, I don't have three minutes. Well, just then go read a psalm. That'll literally take you about a minute. Well, I don't even have a minute. Well, you got 30 seconds. Could you read a proverb? I mean, it's like one sentence. I would rather you read one sentence of God's word breathing life into you every day than go with nothing at all. Yeah. Well, Pastor Red, I don't even have 30 seconds. What well, do you drive to work every day? I mean, like, what's your commute like? Do you have 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes? Can you listen to God's word? Because on the YouVersion app, you can hit play. And all of a sudden, it's just speaking the word of God to you. I'm just trying to say, if you want to build your house and have a foundation that will never fall in a world that is chaos, if you want that, then my friends, you've got to make the choice to make it the foundation. You've got to make the choice to make it first. You've got to turn off social media. You've got to turn off the media in the world. And you've got to begin to plug into God's media, which is his word. Come on, somebody. Why? Because Psalm one nineteen one oh five says this, guys. God's word is a lamp to my feet. God's word is a light unto my path. In other words, now I can see. Now I can have wisdom. Now I can come to know and have an understanding of which way to go, which decision to make, what to do, what not to do, when. When I involve God's word in the process, because now I'll begin to see clearly. Pastor Red, are you saying that five minutes in God's word, five minutes in prayer, and five minutes in worship is going to change my life? Yes, I'm absolutely saying it will change your life. And I dare you to try it. I dare you to try it. I double dog dare you to try it. Come on, where are you at? If you haven't started, some of you are already doing this, but if you haven't started yet, this is your first step. Trusting God's word, obeying God's word, and getting it a part of your life. So when it comes to holding on to God's word, here's the third thing. Now you need to allow it to grow deeper in your life. Notice I said allow it. Like you've got to let it. Like you've got to create environments for growth in your life. Colossians 3 verse 16 says, let the word of God, let the word of Christ, let it do what? Let it dwell in you richly. Notice I said let. Like it's not going to happen on its own. Like you got a part to play in this so one of the best ways, I'm getting really practical here, and I never had a pastor teach me this growing up, okay? So hopefully, I'm, I hope this helps you this morning, but one of the best ways that you can begin to allow God's word to grow in your life is to actually get a translation of the Bible that you actually like to read. Because I mentioned this fact because many of you have come to me like, Pastor, Beth, what in the world is up with all these translations? And I get it. You know why? It's because the Bible wasn't written in English, y'all. all like in the Old Testament, it was written in a Hebrew language. In the New Testament, it was written in Greek. And I don't know about you, but like I can't read that. And so English translators decide, let's go to the original manuscripts and let's translate this thing. And so there's a lot of different translations that are out there. And since most of us don't speak Hebrew or Greek, so here's some of the English translations. And there are basically three types of translations. Okay, number one, it's a formal equivalency is what they call Uh, it's just a formal way of doing things Uh, you can see the examples on the screen here Um, this is basically where those who translated it the scholars got together and they looked at the original hebrew they looked at the original greek and they decided to translate it word for word now here's the only problem with that is the only problem and challenge that comes with a word for word translation is the fact that over time grammar changes Think about this. We're no longer using the same grammar as Hebrews and the Greeks did. Why? Because 2,000 years have gone by, right? So that's the only problem. That's the only challenge here. King James Version was among one of the first. That was one of the most famous versions, uh, English translations that come out. And I love the King James Version. It's beautiful. It's very poetic in a lot of ways. And a lot of people revere it as like it's the only book of the Bible because like God speaks like the king's English. And I just want you to know, everybody, God is not from England. He doesn't speak the king's English. I mean, he, he can, okay. <laughs> But he speaks what we speak and what the world speaks, all right? So there are other types. So there's the, you know, the formal. Then there's a different kind of translation, and that is a functional. In other words, some people may call it a dynamic. And the fact that they call it functional is that it's just, it's easier to read, And so you can see some of the examples on the screen, and they're in your notes. And so the way that they translated, the scholars got together. They didn't just translate it word for word. What they did was they took the big idea. They took the thought, and they translated it thought by thought. And so there's one more, and it's not really a translation. It's basically a paraphrase, and a paraphrase is this. You may have seen like the Living Bible or the Message they basically just took some really hard uh, to understand thoughts that the Bible has been describing to us and teaching us. And they brought it into a modern day language. And it's just a lot of fun to read. In fact, like you'll go to like Psalm 122, where it says, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. But then you'll turn over and read the paraphrase, the message. And it says, dude, let's go to church. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's kind of like the translation. I do not actually say that, but that's kind of like what the feeling is when you read it. I'll show you an example out of 1 Corinthians 13, 4, King James Version. It says charity. Now, this word charity in the Greek uh, actually means agape, means unconditional love. And so the King James Version says charity suffereth long, long patience, right? It says, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not. Not itself, it is not puffetheth, huffethetheth, right? You know what I'm saying? Like it's beautiful, it has its place, right? We appreciate it. Uh, look at the NIV, more of the uh functional, right? First Corinthians, same verse thirteen four. It just calls it for what it is love is patient, love is kind. Like these are real words, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. And just for the fun of it, look at the paraphrase, the message, same verse, uh, love. It never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut and it doesn't have a swollen head, everybody. Come on, if you don't want a swollen head, read the message. I just want to encourage you, make the Bible fun, read a translation you like. Giving you some practical stuff today. Number two, we get really practical, is I just want to encourage you to get a study Bible. Get a study Bible. Like digital Bibles are great, but digital Bibles are everybody's Bible, okay? But get a paper Bible. Why? Because a paper Bible is your Bible. And I want you to learn to take notes in your own Bible. But a lot of us have just a a normal Bible, and that's great and that'll help you. But what a study Bible will do is actually give you kind of like some side commentary. Like if there's a hard-to-read verse or scripture, like it will give you a little commentary that was based off of scholars and theologians who have studied this for a long time. And they'll even give you like two or three different thoughts from two or three different people about kind of what this is. Verses saying it's very helpful. In fact, you can see some uh, uh, examples of that on the screen. New Spirit-filled Life Bible is a great Bible. The Maxwell—if you're a leader or a business leader or entrepreneur in this room—Maxwell Leadership Bible is great for like leading business meetings. Uh, it's a great tool because it'll give you a verse and then it'll give you kind of like a leadership lesson alongside that. John Maxwell put that out. Uh, there's another Bible that my wife loves, written by Joyce Meyer, called the Everyday Life Bible. And I just want to encourage you: read a translation you like get a study Bible. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, like we give them away to you for free here, like at guest central, we have free Bibles. Now, if you already have a Bible, don't take a Bible. Listen, I'm on to you. I know you, we all like free stuff. Okay. Like, Oh, I just want to add this to collection. No, don't do that. Those are here for people who don't have a Bible, but if you need a Bible, please take one. They're at guest central. You don't have to ask if you see it, take it. It's yours. We paid for it with the money that you put in last week's offering. They're yours. Okay. So take them. Um, And here's the last one. Very practical, but I honestly believe that this is where you're actually going to be able to live it out. And that is join a small group. Join a small group. Listen, this is the secret sauce to building your life on the foundation that is God's word. Join a small group. Listen, life change happens in life-giving relationships what does that have to do with God's word? It has everything to do with God's word. I've taught several uh, messages on the importance of relationships, but what I will say is this. Small groups give you an opportunity, my friends and family, to live this thing out. They give you an opportunity to ask the questions, to talk about it. Well, I'm not in a Bible study group. I mean, I go to that disc golf group. Come on, where are you, disc golf group? That's amazing. (laughs) And can I just tell you, I've tried that before. That is a lot harder than it looks. Like I threw my shoulder out the first time because I thought I was going to man up and like chunk it. You know, I say chunk, sorry. And uh, I threw that thing like 10 yards. I'm like, what in the world? I can throw a Frisbee. This is a Frisbee. What in the world? I can't play disc golf. I tried. I'm sorry. Um, There's my man card, everybody. Okay. Anyway. So disc golf, what is disc Like how in the world can you live this thing out? It's not a Bible study group. Well, when you read your one-year Bible or you read your study Bible or you read the one verse of the Bible of the day from the UVersion app, well, then ask your brother in between shots. Whew, hey, man, did you read that one verse today? Oh, man, like what do you think about that? Like, let's talk about that. Whew, oh, great shot, but oh, yeah, okay, right? Talk about it. This is what small groups do. And here's the last one. This is where it gets fun. In my opinion, this is, this is fun for me. Number four, I want you to make it a weapon. Yes. I want you to make God's word a weapon for what? For the challenges of life. Because yeah. my friends, you're going to face some challenges. And it's unfortunate, somehow, some way, in our American society, we bought into this culture that like, oh, our time with the Lord is in the word. It's just supposed to be our quiet time. Nothing wrong with that. God loves those moments, but the word of God doesn't even teach that. Like, kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. Like, God's word doesn't teach that the Bible is silent. No, God's word teaches you, my friend, that you and I are in a war. And you know, the thing about a war is that there's battles to be fought. But guess what? You can't win a battle without a weapon. Come on, we know this as Americans, don't we? You got to have a weapon. And this is why, Ephesians six thirteen. Therefore, I want you to put on the full armor of God. Why? So that when, y'all notice that it's when, not if. If you think that Christianity is full of butterflies and rainbows and unicorns and it's going to be perfect all the time, you're missing out. You're living in la-la land, everybody. That is not the truth of God's word. No. When the day of evil comes, and it will, that you and I may be able to do what? Stand our ground so that we won't fall and become a statistic in this culture today. It goes on to list, if you want, I don't have time to read the rest of the verse, 14, 15, 16. It goes on to list all these defensive weapons. But there's only one weapon that it, that it represents. Or right, let me say, it, 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 it represents all the defensive armor, I should say. And then it gives us one weapon. Look at this, Ephesians 6, 17. It says, now I want you, after you're full of the armor, I want you to take the one weapon, which is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What's he saying? I want you to use God's word as a weapon for the challenges of your life. And just for fun, let's look at the message paraphrase. Look what it says. Ephesians 6, 17, paraphrase. God's word is an indispensable weapon. Like, I can't live without it. Pastor Red, are you serious? Yes, I am living serious, everybody. You're like, what, are you living? What is that? You're not dead serious? No, I'm not dead serious. I'm living serious because I'm alive. (laughs) Jesus used a weapon, y'all. I'll show it to you. Matthew 4, 3 through 4. Jesus was tempted three times by the enemy before he started his ministry. And every time Jesus Christ was tempted, he said three words. I want you to say them out loud. The three words in yellow. What did he say? It is written. Come on, say it again. It is written. Every time Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was faced with a battle, he responded with God's word. It is written. That's why one of the most practical things you can do is memorize scripture. Guys, I want you to memorize scripture. And I just want to be honest with you. I've been serving the Lord 28 years and I still don't have the whole Bible memorized. Give yourself a little grace. It's, It's impossible. Why? Because you're human. So am I. But I want you to memorize a few. Why? Because you're going to face some challenges. The storms are going to rise. The streams are going to rise. The wind is going to blow and it's going to beat against your house. And when it does, I don't want you to fall. I want you to stand. And so when a financial difficulty comes, I want you to have the practical wisdom to not spend more money than you make. I want you to learn how to be disciplined in your finances. I'll need you to work hard and I want you to continue to be generous and live this thing out. But I also want you to know Philippians 419 that says, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and his glory in Christ Jesus. And so when you know you're going to face the challenges of health, my friends, I want you to go to the doctor. I'm going to go to the doctor. I got God's word, yeah, but I'm also going to go to the doctor, and I'm going to take some medicine. But you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to remember Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me, and I'm not going to forget his benefits. God, you heal all, I mean, you forgive all my sins. Thank you, God, for that. And you heal all my diseases. And when fear starts creeping in, I'm gonna go Psalm 27:1. For the Lord is my light and my salvation; of whom shall I be afraid? I will not be afraid. Why? Because the Lord is the stronghold of my life. First John 4:3. For greater is God that lives in me than he that's in the world. Romans 8:37. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Why? Because He loves me. Well, Pastor Ed, you're crazy. Yeah, but I'm gonna win the battle, everybody. And I want you to win the battle too. What am I doing? My friends, God's word is alive. It's living. It's active. It is a weapon to be used for the challenges of your life. You guys ever watch a pirate movie? Come on, don't get all holy up in here. I know y'all be watching Pirates of the Caribbean, right? On Disney Plus, right? You ever seen what the the weapons like that pirates use, like in the background, they kind of start off in the background with what? a fiery dart. You ever seen that? Like it's an arrow with a flame on it. Why why do they use that? Because they're cowards. That's why they do it. In in fact, the Bible teaches us that the devil, his only weapon is a fiery little dart. And he runs. Why does he run? Because he's afraid of you. He's just shooting little arrows. Right? Now you would think in a battle we'd all get the same weapon, but we don't. God doesn't give you a fiery dart. What does God give you? He gives you a sword. What's a sword? It's probably about this long. Why? Because He wants you to get up into the face of the enemy and say, Not today, devil. In the name of Jesus, get behind me, my family, my finances, and my health. In the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all are running from the phew, from the Phew, God wants you to get up and go, I don't think so. This is the word of God over my life and my family, and I'm gonna stand, and I don't care what you bring my way. God, through Christ Jesus and his word, is my anchor, and I am not falling. I'm gonna stand, and when I've done all to stand, I'm gonna stand because I'm on the winning end because of who Christ is in and through me and because I'm building my life on God's word. Amen. Amen. What am I doing? I'm using God's word as a weapon. And I want to encourage you to do the same. I want to encourage you to do the same. So when you go to the dentist, crown him with many crowns. Amen. <laughs> just kidding. No, in fact, there is a dentist verse. It's in uh, Psalm 8110. It says, open wide thy mouth and I will fill it. Okay, so for all you dentists, there you go. <laughs> just messing with you. That is in there, by the way. Uh, I want to close with this last verse. It comes out of Psalm 119. 9 through 11. It's the longest chapter of the Bible, by the way. And it's all about God's word. Look at this. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? Like, how in the world are you and I going to make it? That's what it's saying. Amongst this popular chaotic culture that we live in. Well, he tells us, by living according to your word. So God, I seek you with all my heart. Every day. Verse 15. Why? Because I don't want to stray from your commands, God. Here's my hope Is the rest of the verse is that for each and every one of us in this room and online today is that we've hidden the word of God in our hearts. Now that the series is over, we're holding on to God's teaching. We're hiding it in our heart. Why? So that we might not Sin against you God so that our lives can be changed so that our families can experience healing so our marriage can have hope so that our relationships can be restored so that we can experience a peace that passes the understanding and the mindset of the world this is why that I want to encourage you to do the same would you bow your head and close your eyes no one looking around in this moment I want to pray for you God I First of all, I want to say thank you. Thank you for my church family. Thank you for those joining us online. We're grateful for the day you've given us. And Lord, we recognize today, our hope is that we recognize how vital building our life upon the foundation of your word is to us not falling. Now, are we going to slip and fall from time to time? Yeah, absolutely, because we're human. But Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word that says, that our lives overall will be built on a structure that will be so firm that no matter what comes our way, we won't be swayed, but that will always remain firm and true to who you are. Help us to apply this, God, in very practical ways. Allow it to grow in our lives by, God, us taking some next steps to creating environments, maybe through a small group, Lord, of living this thing out. And Lord, allow us to understand the importance it is to have your word in our hearts so that we might not sin against you, but we could use your word as the weapon that it was always intended. So we thank you for your word today. Now in this moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, please, nobody looking around. There are people here today, if you're honest with yourself, you go, Pastor Ed, I sure would love to have a relationship with God. Like I'd love that. And because many of you, some of you in this room are online, you're, you're feeling the distance And I want you to know that God isn't distant. God is close. He's here today. He loves you. God's not mad at you. God's in love with you. God wants to be close to you today. And it comes through one person. It doesn't come from what you do. It doesn't come from going to church service. It doesn't come from doing good things. All those are great. But what brings proximity to you and God in a relationship is one person. And that is the person of Jesus Christ. It's God's one and only son. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that, what did he do? He gave. He gave. God never wanted to take from you. God has always wanted to give to you. And he gave you a gift through his son Jesus. To do what? To forgive you of your sins. To destroy the barrier of separation that you feel because of the fact of our humanity. And through Jesus Christ, in simply believing and receiving by placing your trust in him, a miracle happens. And the miracle is salvation. The miracle is the fact that your name, according to scripture, will be written in the book of life in heaven so that when you die, that you'll know there's more to life than this life, that you will have an eternity that awaits you. But here's the good news. God doesn't only want you just to live for eternity. He also wants you to live life here and enjoy it in abundance. He tells us this. And so if you want to come into a relationship with God, it'd be my honor to lead you in a prayer. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not calling you to the front. I'm not asking you to stand. But if you're here today and you're like, "Yep, yeah, rep, that's me. Would you be so bold as to raise your hand and let me know who you are? Again, if this is the most important decision of your entire life. If you're in this room, like, I want to make a decision. I want to be in a relationship with God. I want to know that when I die, that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And I'm going to heaven, spend an eternity with Jesus. And I'm going to experience life in fulfill- fullness here on this planet as well. God bless you. You can put your hands down. It's not about the words, but it's all about a heart that simply connects with God. Can I encourage every single one of us to maybe say a prayer like this? Just say, God, thank you. Come on, everybody say this. God, thank you for wanting to have a relationship with me. Thank you for Jesus. Today, I put my hope, I put my faith, I put my trust in you. I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died. She rose again to pay for my sin because you wanted to have a relationship with me. And so today, I give you my life because you gave me your life. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together and celebrate with those who made the decision to follow Jesus today? Yeah, great job, everybody.